Hello, welcome to Life's Difficult, a podcast where we discuss the many challenging aspects of modern life and our solutions to them. I'm Mikhail, and as always, I'm joined by my conversation partner, Milos. How's it going, man? Ah, pretty good, pretty good. As you know, I've told you, today I am uh, well underslept, and, and it's partially because of today's topic, so I'm, uh, I'm excited <laughs> for today's podcast. This is going to be a good one. Mm-hmm. How are you doing? Yeah, I, th- I think I've had a bit of a low week as well of just, uh, as you know, I, I took a month off work. Uh, which perfect I, I, again, yeah, perfect topic for this podcast. <laughs> and so this is my first week back and, uh, you know, it was nothing too hectic, but I think generally I was just, again, I, I think this dovetails really nicely with what we're going to be talking about. So let's actually just jump into it. Sure. Yeah. So this week, um, on this episode, we're discussing work life balance and the difficulty that comes with it. Now, um, I think a fairly common scenario is, let's say, you know, you're done with university and you just naturally kind of default into a job or you're not, a high, however it happens, often like the first job, you just kind of fall into it, right? You just think, I'm an adult now, I've got to work. And maybe it's still going pretty well for a few weeks, a few months, but somewhere along the line, you realize like, my life is not exactly what I expected or I'm neglecting things I didn't think I'd neglect, whether it's friendships or hobbies or whatever it might be. And it's kind of hard to unwind that action of having taken that job because you don't feel like you can go back to not working, yet you've taken up so much of your time with work and your life is not what what you want it to be. Yeah. So, yeah, I guess, how do you deal with that you see, I, I got I mean, I should have stopped you initially because, you know, what you said about getting out of college and getting a job, I don't know if that's, like, I know that definitely was, I don't know about you, but that was not the case for me. I, t- <laughs> I took several years of not getting a real job, not joining the nine to five. I would, like, I would, I would fluctuate between, like, like, BS work of, like, being a lifeguard or doing this quick sales job or, like, like I would, I would foray into the world of, like, hardcore work where I'd get like a door-to-door sales job working 12 hours a day for six days a week. Okay. And then I'd quit that job after like two months. And then I wouldn't work for a long time. So it's, it's really interesting that we're bringing this up because to me, I feel like I joined the 9-to-5 world late. I got my first official, real, honest-to-God, 9-to-5 job at 31 years of age. <laughs> at, a, at a young, nubile 31 years. Well, well so... I was just trying to present it in the broadest terms possible. Mm -hmm. Um, And you're not wrong because I do work like at my agency. I work with a number of guys who are literally 24, 25, 23. They just got out of college. This is their first time working. And it's funny too. They always think I'm their age, but they don't know. Um, But so you're absolutely right though. That is a common thing. And I don't think it changes. I think whatever age you join the nine to five, you still get that crippling realization after a week where it's like, I used to have all the time. And now I have none. And so it's like, there is something there, regardless of what age you do it at. Yeah, for sure. I mean, uh, so, I mean, if I personalize this, I almost feel like it's inapplicable to 99.9% of people because you said it took you till 31. Well, I'm not 31 and I haven't reached that point. I, <laughs> I've never had a proper nine to five. I've had many half jobs and mm-hmm. then currently, yeah, I work, but it's basically on ours that I decide because I work in a freelance capacity. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, it's even in a freelance capacity, sometimes I feel like should I be dedicating more or less time to work? So it, it, it's, it's, it's broadly uh, applicable, this, this work-life balance dilemma. Uh, but my personal issues, I feel, are so disconnected that I'm almost <laughs> just going to leave them aside. <laughs> well, but you know what? This is this is the interesting thing is that, you know, it's 2022 right now. Work looks different. I mean, not just because the pandemic went across and reshaped everything. I mean, you and me used to work together at an agency where we were fully remote. Yeah. So we were never, we didn't have an office. And so when COVID hit, it was like, oh, I'm working from home? Well, you know, no, I get... I, nothing's I get, changed, yeah. Yeah, nothing's changed, but I get none of the benefits that the people who are on the 9 to 5 are now working from home get, where it's like, <laughs> you get a work stipend for your lunches and for your 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 new monitor, and it's like, we got nothing. <laughs> it's just business as usual. Yeah. But I think it's so interesting because, you know, um, you know, again, the 9 to 5 
cycle is moving a lot. And, and the other thing about nine to five is that nine to five is very, it's almost a little bit, you know, upper middle class in the sense that, dude, a lot of people don't work nine to five. If you're in the trades and we're in Canada, dude, Canada trades are huge. If yeah. you're in the trades, you're probably working like six to three, six to four kind of thing. You're working right. early as ass all the way out to like the mid afternoon. So there's, and there's a lot of different schedules. Like, and again, sorry, just one last thing. Like my, before I worked in digital marketing, my schedule was doing 12 hours a day, Friday, Saturday, Sunday for events. You know what I mean? So it's like, it's like, it, I think it almost speaks to this even more, the work-life balance thing, because, you know, we have unique perspectives in that it's not just, oh, how do you, how do you handle the nine to five? Come home and walk your dog. And then where, where did the time go? It's like, there's, there's more to it. And I think, and I also think it's beneficial because if you are listening to this and you're stuck on the nine to five grind and you hate it, I think me and me and Mikhail have some stories for you about, you know, <laughs> it's not all sunshines and rainbows on the other side. Like we've had those, I don't know about you, but I can remember times when my freelance fun job was like an 18 hour day. And I'm like, what am I doing with my life? Well, not only that, like a big part of the, a big part of the appeal of the freelance lifestyle is that, you know, we can be working remotely on the other side of the globe. That never happened. We never traveled. We no. Because <laughs> <laughs> you realize how inconvenient it is. It's, it's like there's something to be said about the idea. Like you, when you actually start, I think this is another thing too, is like if you're in the nine to five and you're dreaming, oh, I want to just have a remote job and be out there, sit for a second and think about the practicalities because there's a lot, like especially, like the, the most obvious one is time zones. I would love to be in Southeast Asia. I miss Thailand like nobody's business. Mm -hmm. But can you work in Thailand on a on a schedule out in here in the in North America? No, you're 12 hours behind. Well, so I mean you can, but clients are tough to talk to. I guess my bigger concern was because I never was in the traditional kind of corporate mold of 9 to 5. I was never comfortable in freelance cuz I almost felt like I was missing a beat. Mm -hmm. And I still do. And so um it was less that you know I never wanted to go to Southeast Asia, right? Like for me, I would have been happy to go to, let's say, Miami, which doesn't have a that's true, yeah, different time time zone. So, uh, yeah, it, it was it was much more like a monetary disincentive. Where again, like I could, I did have the money to travel, but I almost felt like I'm not fully comfortable because I don't have like the structure of a or not even the structure of a nine to five, but like the the education of a nine to five of like, oh, I feel comfortable in my work. I always felt like the second, like I'm, if I lose my freelance job or something, I'm just going to be out in the wilderness. It's security. Again. It's security in some yeah. ways. Like you didn't feel you had the, the income security to say, okay, let me go and invest in, in going to Miami because I mean, it's expensive in Miami. <laughs> That's not a cheap city. Yeah. So I, I feel like the freelancing can work much better if you've had like five, 10 years in your comfy co corporate gig. And you have all that, it, uh, you, you know, your resume is built, your portfolio is built and all that kind of stuff. And then after that, you go freelance because number one, you'll probably be, be making way more. You'll be able to demand a lot more in your freelance capacity. And two, you don't have those insecurities because you've done the corporate gig. Oh, so you figure yeah. it out. Yeah, no, that's that's huge. And, and I, yeah, that's a big thing because uh, there's something to be said for just like, you know, doing your beginner reps. You got to put in your newbie reps. I remember... You and I started in digital marketing the same. We started working for an agency that was fully remote. And I remember my first few months working, it was like, it was like this dream come true. I'm going to work remote and I'm never going to have to go to the office and I can wear what I want. And then I'm like, holy crap, it is a lot harder to get onboarded. I feel for everybody who had to get onboarded during the pandemic. Mm -hmm. Because when you don't have the people around you to just ask a question, it's like, whoa. And like, even right now, like the place where I work right now, we're slowly having people come back into the office and it's just so much easier to be like, oh, I got a question. Let me swivel my chair around to look across the office and be like, hey, excuse me, dude, what would you do about this? Or what do I do about this? Versus, you know, you got to get somebody on Gchat and then you got to make sure that they're, or on whatever, whatever you, you Slack or whatever your business uses, you got to contact them. Or are they by their computer? Are they doing something else? Like, can they take, like, it's just more difficult. Yeah. Well, so... Then let's maybe go uh, a level deeper, which is why is it that we want away from work? And, you know, I, I think a lot of that comes down to mindset, but it also comes down to maybe not having a proper vision of work in terms of what is work for you. It's, 
it's it's like it, it you know earlier I said you default into work. If you default into work, that's that's a coin flip in terms of where you're going to end up and how happy you're going to be in your job because you could go into a career that you're really not suited to and you're just grinding through versus something you planned out properly. Mm-hmm. Um, so like, I, I, I guess this is kind of leading to how realistic it is to be passionate about what you, what you do. Yeah. I mean, <clears throat> that's, uh, let's let, let me call up Gary Vee and ask him. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> you know, I, I, it's, it's a struggle. It's a struggle, you know, because I mean, you need money, <laughs> you need money in this world. And if you don't work, you don't get it. But I think, I think there's a lot, I, I mean, I just think there's, there's nothing wrong with doing a job that you hate. It's just being able to have a career, tra- career trajectory and understanding that like, you know, you, you're more in control of this stuff than you think, assuming you have a marketable skill. If you don't have a marketable skill, if you don't have a skill that's in demand, um, go get one. <laughs> like it's, it's, it's kind of, there's not much else to be said, right? Go get one or I don't know. It's, it's, it's a tough thing, right? Like you, you're fresh out of college. You have to go get your early reps in at a job. So yeah, you might hate it. You might not like it, but I think there's also something to be said for like jobs just kind of do suck a little bit. Even I, you, yeah, find your passion, find something that you love, but like also accept the fact that, you know, it, it's a job at the end mm. of the day, unless it's like, unless you're an artist or something, or I don't know, you, you're probably going to have some times when you hate your job, right? Yeah, I, I mean, even if you're doing something fairly worthwhile, I think in some of us, I certainly have this, where it still feels like an imposition. It doesn't matter even if the work is pretty good, if it's not too difficult. Mm-hmm. I feel I'm, I'm often in that situation where the work isn't, you know, killing me and I have a fair bit of free time and all that, but I still think, ah, oh God, I have a job. I wish I wasn't working. It's almost, it's just almost like a something ingrained in me where it's like, I wish I had like the life of a artist or, you know, somebody in, mm-hmm. in a more creative mold. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, uh, but again, it goes back to mindset, right? Like that's an unhealthy mindset to have of, of like you all in, in that sense, I'll always feel like the put upon artist, right? Like mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm always like the, the artist or the creative type under attack by his, you know, more, corporate needs yeah so can i ask you something right there though have you ever been in a position where you were maybe not forced to work like from a monetary standpoint but like for you had a very high demanding job and it was like putting you through the ringer like you had to like like i'm just thinking like even like a simple example this would be like even serving right like when you're serving it's a very simple job but like you know if there's a rush in the restaurant you're like go 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 and time flies have you done jobs like that have you had jobs where you're like you have to get in the zone and you have to do stuff quickly or, or not not so much? No, I had a, almost the opposite. Now, now, I will say even within freelance work, I've had months where I took on a bunch of work and then it really was go, go, go. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, it, wasn't, it wasn't too bad. Um, in some ways, it's, it's better. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I mean, as you know, um, not long before we met actually for the first time, I was a doorman at the Shangri-La residence. Mm-hmm. Um, for just a short while, like maybe 10 days or so. But that's the opposite of go, go, go. That's, I started losing my mind slowly <laughs> because I was so bored standing there. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, there's that. I was also a personal trainer for a while, which was, again, much not too much go, 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 and much more. You're just kind of standing back and guiding somebody through yeah. something. So, yeah, I don't really think I've had that sort of work. And... I think work where I have like too much time to reflect is when I have, uh, it's enough time to then realize that this job is not for me almost. (laughs) Yeah, there is, uh, there is something to be said about like that old, uh, I think it's a, it's a Bible quote, idle, idle hands are the devil's playground. I know they, they take that to mean one way, but I kind of think it is like, if you have too much idle time, sometimes it can be difficult. And I know when we work together at the freelance agency, one of the things that I struggled with was a lack of urgency sometimes. Yeah, for sure. Knowing that you don't have to hand something in until a little bit later, it actually makes the job harder. And I guess, I guess this, to me, it's like you want to find passion for your work, but then there's also some, like, you can enjoy the work even if you're not passionate about it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, it doesn't matter what you're doing. Like, it, have you ever, like, done manual labor? And at the end of the manual labor, you, you, I've done, I used to do hardwood flooring with my friend's dad. 
man, I did not like anything about that job. Actually, the only thing I liked about that job was that it was kind of a workout. Like I would, I would, because I was the helper, so yeah. I would like lug these huge. Well, they're not that big. I'm, I'm exaggerating, but like these like boxes with like anywhere from like forty to eighty pounds of hardwood. And I'd be lugging them up the stairs to the to the to whatever floor we were doing, or I'd be taking them out of the whatever. So like, I like that manual labor aspect, just because you know I'm a dude and whatever. But I hated the job. I hated the dust. I hated all that stuff. But mm-hmm. seeing something finished at the end of the day was still a good feeling. And it, it, there was like, it's like there's a, there's enough incentive in there for me to feel okay. I'll come back again. I'll come back again. I'll come back again. And like that busyness sometimes is what makes it can make a passionate. It can make a job that you don't have a passion for really kind of not just bearable but moderately enjoyable i think yeah i I think that takes me to two other points one that hard work is its own reward i think that's kind of uh base essentially kind of what you're saying that like if if if, if you put in the work uh that's just a inherently good feeling by itself but two going one step further competency is really pleasurable so if you get good at something, even if it's something that you don't necessarily like, now, you know, you can stretch this too far and you, you can get very competent at something you hate. You're, by definition, you still hate it, right? But, mm-hmm. but as long as maybe you're neutral on something, but you get really good at it, you'll start enjoying it because it's good to be good, right? Yeah. Like it, it, it feels good when you, you, you compare yourself to your peers and you're clearly better at what you're doing. Maybe because of the work you put in, maybe it's natural, maybe it's a combination, but it's a good, good feeling. And so I feel like a lot of people who go into kind of default jobs but are highly, highly driven people, they end up enjoying their work a fair bit. I'm not saying they're in love with their job, but like if I even think about my dad, he very much just was, he knew he was about to get married or he just gotten married. He needed work. He went into you know, he, he applied for a job that he had minimal information about, got the job. And now he really enjoys his work decades later, but it He's was... been there for how long now? I want to say 30 plus years. That is in... That's an intense level of job loyalty. I think in like my first seven years, I went through like 30 different employment <laughs> opportunities. Again, that, 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 that's a, that's also a newer thing, right? Of like this antsiness in the job market. Uh, yeah, that's or true. in your position in the job market. And, and so, yeah, I, I, I do think there's just a general higher ambient level of dissatisfaction with work now. Um, I don't know whether that's a cultural thing or whether that's a state of you know, the job market and all the mm-hmm. fluctuations that have taken place in the past couple of decades, whatever it might be. I, th- I think it's a lot of that. I also think one of the things that um, that brings up is the fact that, you know, we're inundated today with these. I mean, I guess maybe I, I know you don't use social media too much. I try to get off social media, but I end up on Instagram a fair bit. Yeah. And oh, my God, all these influence lifestyle people. We take pictures of ourselves at exotic locations and somehow make money. And the funniest part is when you follow some of these people, you find out that they are not at all like their life, their, their Instagram lifestyle blog is not their primary income. Like there's a couple of travel bloggers that I follow. And if you follow them long enough, they admit, oh yeah. Um, or like the, the couple, the couple travel. Cause back when I was with my ex, we would, we would follow a bunch of these, 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 these couple travel bloggers and I still have a bunch of them. And then eventually it'll be like, oh yeah, my, uh, my husband is in uh, finance. He's he's actually an investment banker on the side, and, and I consult for a firm with my MBA. And it's like, so you guys you guys aren't actually you're not this like hippie people who take pictures and get paid for it. You're you know you, this is a passion project for you that clearly doesn't make you the bulk of your money. And just to what you were saying about like the, the antsiness in work, I feel like we're so exposed to the entrepreneurial people, the people who are making it, like even us doing this podcast is kind of a way of like, you know, eventually if we can turn this into an audience and turn this into an income source, hell yeah, that'd be great. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I think, I think that, I think there's almost like been a leveling of the playing field in a lot of ways where the tech boom brought this whole concept of um, reducing the hierarchy and making things more, you know, everyone's kind of more even. The boss doesn't, you know, you and the boss are on the, almost the same level. You can talk to him in a, in a tech firm. And that became so cool and romanticized. And an offshot of that is, well, anybody can be the boss. Anybody's smart enough to start their own company. And, I mean, to some extent it's true. But I think 30 years ago, if you had a good job, 
you could sit there, be proud, and, and most of your peer group would be like, yeah, that's great. You have, the, you have the ideal situation. And now it's like, I have this job and I'm making money. They're like, okay, but do you have an Instagram page that just makes you money? Do you have an e-commerce site that just makes you money? And it's like, well, no, right. I work. And it's not, as, it's not as valued anymore. Yeah, I, I, th- I think we have much greater exposure to success. Um, in both good and bad ways, right? Because it can be an inspiration, but it can also just delude you into thinking that you're always, you know, a couple steps away from making your major breakthrough, whether it's on, you know, basically what you you laid out, whether it's via e-commerce or some entrepreneurial exploit or whatever it might be. And there's maybe less exposure to your fellow man because, you know, there's so many studies that come out about like how we're much more alienated from each other. Mm-hmm. It is especially in like city life. And so you're not seeing kind of the common man as much or your yeah. fellow man as much. And you're getting this, all this exposure via the internet to just the most successful people who are living lives that seem like dream lives. And so you're like, okay, so that's, that's, you're, you're not aspiring to be like your fellow man. You're aspiring to be like the. <laughs> yeah. Screw Chuck <laughs> at the office. I want to be this guy, Santro pay. How do I get there? <laughs> yeah, yeah, and so yeah, yeah. That that that's really really unhealthy. Um, and saying that, I still have that like some sense of that in me of like, I wish you want to beat the game essentially, right? 100%, like, yeah, yeah. You want to be able to disconnect and have your passive income source, and then actually pursue your more creative exploits, whether it's this podcast or you know, I I've had a long term dream of becoming a writer, or or honestly, it doesn't even have to be even that serious, but just, you know. And just to confirm, you are a writer because you, you've, you've written how many novels now fully? Well, so I don't think that makes me a writer, but I think what sure, does publish, make me a writer yeah. is that I've got a few short stories published. So I think that yeah. roughly ticks the box. But again, what I'm saying is I wanted to get to the stage where it can be like a significant An source income of income. Source, yeah. Yeah. I just say that only because I think there's, a, there's, a, there's an identity thing there where some people are like, I wish I was a writer. And it's like, do you write? Well, no, I'm waiting for the inspiration. It's like, uh... <laughs> but then there's other people like you who've written a, a, a crap ton. You're just not officially published yet uh, yeah. for a novel. Yeah. But short stories, yes. yes. I, just, I just want to point that out just because uh, that, is, that is an important distinction there. Yeah. And I, I think because I'm in some ways like in that uh, gray zone of... I think because I've got a couple of short stories published and I've been writing a while, I'm probably never too far away from actually making that breakthrough. But in theory, it could also be three decades down the line because, <laughs> you know, the publishing industry yeah. is just very hard. It's, it's not just based on your quality of writing. It's also who you know and how you get your, your foot in the door and all that kind of stuff. And I think that's what messes with me the most. It's like if I maybe just dropped everything and put all my attention to this, could I make the breakthrough and live my, like, that, that would be my dream job, just being a full-time author. Mm-hmm. However, I could pursue that and be waiting 30 years and, you know, be destitute. So, yeah, and, and, so. and that's almost like a common thing with writers. I'm trying to think of which ones historically, but I'm sure there's been a number. Again, I can't think of any names off the top of my head. I want to say it was, like, Hemingway or one of those guys who, like, I don't know about the authors, but I can always think of, um, what's his face? I think it was... Is Van Gogh Picasso? One of them was like destitute until he was really, really old, and his mm-hmm. stuff didn't even get popular until he was dead. So, yeah, you never know. Yeah, no, <laughs> it's, I mean, it's... it's a very common story where an author is not popular during his life, and that terrifies me because for <laughs> for me it's useless. Like if I'm dead when I if when a book of mine is picked up, that's no good. Like, uh, but, but the legacy, Mikhail, the legacy. Don't you want people to read your work twenty, thirty years from now, or three hundred years from now? Sorry. Uh, I 100% do, but I also want to enjoy it while I'm alive. <laughs> I want the money. Like, you know, I, th- there are a lot of really, really dark stories with authors. Um, mm-hmm. like, like even Kafka, he, um, he, he died and he, I think he, it was his editor that he said, like, promise me you're not going to publish any of this. Really? And the editor basically broke his promise to Kafka. And that's how Kafka became so famous. I did not know that at all. And he and Kafka died miserable, thinking his work was terrible. He had this crippling, I think, uh, fear of his father, who was like a big, like robust figure, and he was like a small, mm. sickly sort of man. It's really, really terrible. Um, 
So, yeah. That's no. just sad because you feel like if his stuff got released sooner, it would have been vindication. But instead he goes to his grave without knowing that, like, no, you are a great writer. You should have just shot your shot, dude. <laughs> so, I mean, I think we might be veering a little bit away. Oh, and, totally. But, we, but we've lost the story. I'm, I'm, I'm sort of okay with that. Because... <laughs> In, in some, we lost the plot. <laughs> well, so in, in in some ways, it's it's interesting to 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 at least touch upon, you know, uh, uh, grappling with your passions or your hobbies, and and how how do you decide like what is actually worthwhile in terms of like how you go forward with your life? Mm-hmm. In in that like, would it still be more sensible in terms of my personal sense of satisfaction and happiness to drop everything and just go the author route, right? Mm-hmm. Maybe I will, you know, have no money and all that kind of stuff. Maybe I will feel like, you know, what am I doing with my life and be plagued with doubts. But if, if even in 10 years down the line, I finally make it, like properly, properly make it, for the rest of my days, that could possibly make me happy. Versus I keep doing like this kind of half measure of writing on the side, but like putting it aside for months at a time. And then at the end of the day, Maybe I just always see like middling, moderate, maybe at best like th- that kind of success, and then th- that that's my life. That's and and my ultimate ambition hasn't been realized. That's that's a dangerous part, and I think in terms of work life balance, it's very interesting because it almost separates your your job from your passion from your life. You know, because when you think of yeah. work life balance, you think okay, I need okay, I like let's just take the nine to five examples. It's easiest. Monday to Friday, and that's also my example right now, so I can, I can give you some insight. My condolences. <laughs> the 9 to 5 drone ship. No, I'm kidding. It's not terrible. But, um, yeah, like, you, you think about it. Okay, I have eight hours of the day that I'm in the office. That's office time. Whatever. Work time, you're not doing anything. You're probably not working on your passion during that time. Yeah. You're probably not taking care of your necessities during that time. So you have that. Then you have your commute, whether, whether you're working from home and your commute is from your, your bed to your chair or whether you're commuting in an office. You know, subtract all that time out. I think for the average person, that's like almost nine hours, eight and a half hours. Yeah. Throw in a little bit of time to get ready and all that stuff. It's like nine hours of your day gone. You now have, I always think of it like the eight, eight, eight split is like the ideal split. You work for eight hours, you sleep for eight hours and you do whatever the hell else you want for eight hours. But yeah. you know, now you've had all this time for work, you have the rest of your time to do one of two things. And I think this actually really plays into the work-life balance part because if you know what your passion is and you can't make money doing it. So if you're an author and no one's like, people aren't paying you to be like, Hey, I would like you to write a serial novel and I'll give you $10,000 every three months to do it. It's like, no, no, no one's offering that job right now. Yeah. So, um, instead you're forced to really face the fact that, you know, you have this one job that brings home the bacon, but in some, for a lot of people, that job also comes with that job comes the impetus to want to screw around more. I know for me that when I'm really stressed at work and I come home, I am that much more inclined to want to do something stupid with my time. I'm that much more inclined to want to play video games, to uh, hang out with friends. I mean, okay, these aren't stupid, stupid things, but things that are outside of the realm of the passion project that could get you ultimate abundance of work-life balance, right? So it's, it's, it's this interesting thing where, yeah, you bring it up, like you kind of have to, you have to decide whether or not you want to play your hand as, you know, I'm going to go fully in. I personally have had multiple times where I told myself, I'm going to go fully in on this business idea. I'm going to make it or break it. And that's it. And I've broken it multiple times, (laughs) (laughs) multiple times. I haven't made it. Um, but it's that, it's that idea of like, okay, now you've got to fiddle with these two and there's an extra thing thrown in. If you want to have a social life, if you want to, you know, date if you want to uh stay fit if working out is an important thing that's a lot of time man i know you and i both we spend a fair bit of time in the gym um and that's that's time gone that's your life you know what i mean yeah. so and then that makes you tired and then you need to rest then you need to eat well and then you need to do this and so there's this big thing about like work-life balance coming from the perspective of what if you have two works you have your your money work and then you have your passion work yeah yeah, I mean, I think there's a lot of value in that, and it's, I, th- I think actually the only way to make it work is, um, is that it's your second work. It's it's your even though if it's your passion work, treat it like a job, because even with a passion, yeah, you just can't go purely based on momentum. Even with writing, 
there are aspects of writing that are less pleasurable. You know, going rereading re re your first chapter for the hundredth time and moving a comma a few you know <laughs> a few words down is not fun, but it's part of the job. Mm -hmm. So yeah. if I didn't treat it like a job, I wouldn't become a competent writer. Because so much of writing is based on emphasis, is based on like little things, right? Like, you could be read, for example, you could be reading, you know, the most beautiful prose, but it's just in these huge chunky paragraphs, and you'd be like, "What the hell is this? This is difficult to read." Mm -hmm. Versus if it was just broken into like more and more kind of concise, you know, smartly laid out paragraphs. So even things like that is the difference between somebody's eyes glazing over when they see your work versus them reading it. So yeah, the little things, the finer details really, really matter no matter how uncomfortable they are, how much of a pain they are. So yeah, if you're treating it like a second job, I think that's fine. Then I guess the, uh, the as an extension of that, I almost want to say then just what about just pure decompression? Because like, okay, we've sort of dealt with the passion aspect of it, right? Either make it your job. If you can't, make it your second job. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> and it, it's really just a matter of mindset and discipline. I don't think there's too much else to say about that. The, like, I, like we talked about, the other struggle is just maybe dropping everything and going with the fashion route. If somehow you're wealthy enough or something later in life, you, you can, can maybe do that. You can always save up, right? You can always, the, the concept of runwaying yourself, you can always do that if you have a, a setup like that. Like, you know, you save a ton of money, you go somewhere where life and rent is cheap, and you're like, okay. Yeah. I have six months of saved pay and I can live for six months. Now let's make something of it. Or, or, or yeah, or be even cyclical about it, right? Like uh, with freelance work, for example, what I could do potentially is work like a maniac for 10 months and then take a couple months off. Or, you know, you were talking about your 12-hour shifts. So mm -hmm. you do your three 12-hour shifts and then you have four days of the week free. So you can, you can or, or, you know, the way firemen work where... You know, they have crazy yeah, long good. shifts, but then they have a lot of time off. Mm -hmm. There are many things you can do to make it work and to have time for your passion. So I don't actually think that's the most uh, complicated aspect of this. I think some of it's just going to come down to what about decompression? So you've, you've got, let, 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 let's even just use, use me as an example. Let's say at, at my highest functioning, which this is a disclaimer, not me. But let's, <laughs> let's, say, let's say eight hours are taken up by work. Never yeah. in my life, but <laughs> but eight hours in theory. Yeah, in in theory, uh, me two point or mm. whatever, and and so eight hours work. Then let's say a couple of hours between working out and the stuff around working out, deep kind of chilling after or having your meal after, whatever. That's mm -hmm. a couple of hours. Um, then say second job, hobby time, writing, editing, etc. Another like three hours or so. So that's five of that, you know, you said eight, eight, eight. So yeah. you're taking another eight off for sleep, right? So yeah. that's already five off that second eight. And now you have about three hours left. And you forgot and to... This to, commute, to, yeah. there's, there's the just general eating and maybe... Eating, pooping, all the boring stuff that ends up taking up time. Yeah, so maybe you have a couple hours left. And then, then if you just want to be like a well-rounded person... You maybe want to check up the news, maybe some little bit politics, a little bit world events. Uh, you know, just generally maybe you want to check up YouTube and get like some educational content from there down to like maybe one hour. What if you like movies? <laughs> what are you going to do there? You what know, if what you if have you... a significant other who wants some of your time? Yeah. You're, I mean, uh, you're in trouble. Yeah. So again, it's... it's... <sighs> I feel like with so much of this stuff, it's a lot of it just comes down to you need planning. You need like that long-term perspective. You need to sort things out. If you're just, again, the whole concept of defaulting into work, defaulting into whatever your state your life in is in, that can be really, really scary. You can be lucky mm -hmm. and you can just pull out. Um, but a lot of people, once they've defaulted into their work, they can't just stop working. Yeah. And so what do you do there? Like, do you, what are you, what? Are you going to sacrifice the money? You can't do that. Are you going to sacrifice the passion and be dead inside? A lot of people do that. Yeah. I, so, yeah. yeah. I think a little point here, and this is, a, this is for another topic too, but I think this is something that needs to be mentioned, is um, when you're earning, you better save some of that up so you can be thinking about taking time off. Because I think for a lot of people, 
the minute the income goes up, so does the lifestyle, and that's that's a killer. That's yeah. a killer. And uh, and I mean, I've, I'm guilty of it too. I've done it before. Um, I've done it to the extreme. But um, when it comes to the work-life balancing, the thing that's very interesting, I always, dude, every time I've tried to do that, what we just did where you like, you take the hours and then you calculate the hours. It's the most depressing thing ever <laughs> when you actually do it on paper. But the one thing I will say is having worked the nine to five job now for like, I don't know, when I'm not even a full year into it, but, um, I've done a bunch of different schedules. Like I've always been working. I've always worked a fair bit. I don't think I've ever had a period of, like outside of my travel times. I don't think I've ever had a period of like serious long, long-term unemployment. Actually, that's not true. I had one serious time of long-term unemployment but outside of that most of the time I've been working and the one thing that I noticed is um even with this nine-to-five job you can't get too caught in the specifics of when are you of, of, of planning out your time because there's so many little things that you won't be able to account for that free up time so I think it's it's just that flexibility and having that that direction like you were saying it's it's attitude and mindset i think it's 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 also direction because if you want to make the most out of your time and your work life balance you just need to have a couple things that you know you want to do every day and for i think for most people if you're thinking long term like you said some of your days should be based on either working on that like I, I always like to call it a skill like you should have two skills in life you should have your skill that's making you money today um, and that's whatever you went to school for. That's whatever you're trained to do. Or that's whatever, you know, if you have a trade, if you have digital marketing abilities, if yeah. you're a lawyer, a doctor, whatever, uh, assuming it's not your passion, assuming it's not what you want to do forever, you should have your money-making skill and you should have some other skill that you absolutely love that you're working on that, that you want eventually in life to have overtake this skill and just go with the flow. You never know when time's going to open up in your, in your busy schedule because again, you look at that 888 split or even let's say you only sleep 6 hours fine you get two more hours but yeah. then work still takes up almost 10 and then you have you know okay now you have like 8 hours left properly to yourself after eating sleeping all that stuff and you need some time to recreate but then you never know when like you're going to get home from work early or oh today I'm not working out cuz it's a rest day okay so I have a little bit of extra time or even just like maybe there was food at work and you don't have to eat now you got home you're like or you got fast food right there, there's so many little things i think to keep the balance going, you must, must, must be flexible as all hell in the beginning and just look for every little, look for making the most of the, of the time because, you know, the, this, like obviously billionaire CEOs have a lot more money than you, save so a lot more resources, yeah. but they have the same amount of time as you do. And some of them are busy as, as hell too. So, you know, you got to think about not just how you're going to manage your time, but maximizing the time that you do because sometimes... I mean, I don't know about you, but I've had this moment where it's like, sometimes I'm more productive in 15 minutes than I have been in two hours. Right, So right. you've got to play around with that too. Yeah, I mean, in, in some ways, the way we've been like looking at those eight hours is, is unfair because, um, again, like even like you, you mentioned uh, a significant other, your significant other doesn't have to be some opposing force occupying your time, right? <laughs> in but what if you date women? No, <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Go on. But uh, what, what, I, what I mean to say is, like, you could work out together. Or while you're working out, you can be listening to a podcast where you get whatever news or educational content that, mm -hmm. that, that you need, your, your allotment of that for the day. Maybe, yeah, maybe you take an hour off your sleep so that you can watch that film. Maybe... Um, whatever over your meal you're also spending time with your significant other again so like you can keep incorporating things back and even during your eight hour work day it's not like you're actually working eight hours just straight you have little breaks where you can you know reach out to a friend or whatever it might be and again if you take that longer term kind of planned out perspective yeah maybe you're not going to watch a movie every single night that's fine but maybe you can watch a couple for those two days you sleep a little bit less and maybe one of those days is you give more time to your significant other because that's your dinner night. And, you know, you still got a weekend, right? So that's yeah. where you can do a whole lot more. So, it, you know, it's, it's in some ways, you know, you might be in a much tougher situation. Maybe your, your commute every day is four hours or something crazy mm -hmm. like that. Okay, well, then you have to still figure out how to make the most of that commute, right? Listen to audiobooks, listen to podcasts, what, whatever it might be. But... You, 
you don't have to just lie down and view each thing as the worst thing possible. Mm-hmm. The more you plan it out, the more you think long term, the more you really think like, what do I want to get out of each, not day, but maybe week or even maybe month might be a bit too long, but roughly like, I want to see these couple films. I want to do this dinner. I want to get at least a couple thousand words written, uh, et cetera, et cetera. You can, you can actually make a whole lot work and, and, you know, work doesn't have to be this huge imposition Mm -hmm. that, that we're making it out. And setting those incremental goals where you can see, and I think I think that's a huge thing. I think, me personally, I have for a long time now tracked a whole bunch of stuff in my life. I love tracking stuff. Mm-hmm. Like I'll track when I meditate, how many times would I eat veggies, this and that. But I think just having that at the end of the week where you check, did you make progress on the important things? I think that's huge. Now I gotta, I've gotta ask you something because one of your podcast notes that I see here is universal basic income. So the great liber- <laughs> the great liberator. Yeah, yeah. So, so tell me what what made you want to put that in work life balance? Well, in in a sense, there's not going to be too much more to add because universal or UBI is in theory going to be the thing when it gets sufficiently high enough in terms of the, the that that basic income that you're not necessarily going to have to rely on a job for for at least meet, meeting those baseline needs in terms of monetary needs. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of people who believe it'll never happen, but we're assuming it does. Yeah, or or, or, or let, let's even... And go- throw the politics out of the window. We're talking about it as just like a theoretical thing. Like if you were on UBI, how would this affect your work life? Yeah, I, I, I don't even think it's a very political thing because if anything, there can be arguments made all across the political spectrum for and against it. Yeah. Right? So it is... And it, some people argue that it was originally brought on by super right-wingers or an, an economist one of my friends told me that it was a milton milton erickson friedman con- friedman concept yes sorry <laughs> but yeah, yeah and anyway so yeah politics aside i'm just talking about conceptually speaking mm-hmm. um if it's like more of a half measure where it's just supplementing your income that still means that you can potentially move away from a nine to five to maybe kind of like a half-time job thing or a part-time job which frees you up for, for your passions. Or if it goes greater than that, like we're in this post-scarcity society where everything is covered for us. Um, well, yeah, we need to reconsider our conception of what a good life is, of what a what work is, because work will, will no longer necessarily be a monetary thing. Mm-hmm. But it, you still have to occupy your time. Um, now the the difficulty becomes not everybody has a passion in the same way, right? Like people have hobbies, but like playing bas- pick up basketball with a few friends is not <laughs> going to become your ma- main occupier of your time. Um, so I, I, I suppose like that becomes its own conundrum. Like, what is a meaningful life then? But that's such a big question that I like. I don't know really know what to do with that. <laughs> But, yeah, th- th- there's almost an argument to be made that like the work grind is good for people, to an extent, especially if they don't know if they don't have aspirations to be an author or something else that you know you can do regardless. Right. Yeah. Um, that 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 is actually going to be interesting because then you know maybe then they just take more time with their friends or their family and isn't that in its own way very meaningful? Because when you just like talking kind of broad strokes, you think do something you're passionate about. So this is generally work, hobby, passion, all kind of put into one, mm-hmm. you know, spend time and, and, and show love to the ones you love, family, friends, etc. all wrap into another bubble. And then just, I guess, third is maybe just generally be a decent person, etc. Yeah, being a, be a contri- contributing member of your society. So, um, if that first bubble of what a good life is is kind of gone because no work and no passion, mm-hmm. I guess there's still hobbies there, but it's like a much diminished thing. And then, yeah. then, yeah, then it's a lot of family, friends. It's a lot of you can volunteer, you can help out, you can do more. I mean, contribution in, in and of itself can be its own point of, of passion, right? Because if you think about it, really, whatever you're passionate about, it's something you want to contribute to society. It's, I don't think there's very many people who are passionate about... They're passionate about improving something, even if it's not necessarily for... Like everyone, like Warren Buffett, he's pretty passionate about making himself a lot of money. Yeah, I, I, I guess I just, um, I'm almost trying to remove myself from this because I'll just, yeah, speaking personally, 
I think it'd be just so easy, even if I didn't want to be a writer. So I, let, let's say I wasn't just replacing my current job with writing full time. Mm-hmm. I still think, let's say all my basic income was, was covered. I would never get bored. Mm-hmm. There's always more books to read. There's always more film. There's always more, more movies to watch, more shows to watch, more podcasts to listen to, uh, comics, whatever. You know, like, it, it, mm-hmm. it's such... A, and that, this, is, this is kind of in one domain, but the other, you know, the kind of art domain of, 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 of uh, consuming various things there. But there's also, you know, decide you want to become a Compton chef. Go ahead and do that. You want to play a different sport every day? You can go ahead and do that. Like there's, there's mm-hmm. just there's an endless amount of fun things to do, and, I, I, and I'm not saying fun in like a shallow sense, right? I think these are fairly meaningful things. I think it's really, really valuable to know more about art. I think it's really valuable to be playing a team sport. It feels great. This is how mm-hmm. you make really strong bonds and you feel elevated. And you know, then there's travel. There's learning about history or geography. Like. You, there's always like a sea of knowledge right before you if you choose to look, pursue it. So I just, I can't imagine what kind of, you know, unreflective, uncurious person. Again, I'm not saying you actually can never get bored or whatever, you, you, but, but generally speaking, like there's this, there's so much that we're not going to get to do in our lives that mm-hmm. makes me kind of, sad often and with ubi you get to make much greater inroads into that like into that sea of knowledge so yeah uh no that is huge and that, that it's interesting that you said because i think you're one person who i know who's actually i i feel like it's funny i look at some people i'm like you are not gonna grow old well because all the things you like to do are so tied up with being young and this and that and then i look at you i'm like god dude you're gonna be the happiest 85 year old like haven't had sex in 30 years but my god are these comics amazing and look at this new movie (laughs) anyway um i think that uh so what okay what are your final takeaways from this i know we 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 straight off the topic a lot and the goal was to discuss the difficulty with work-life balance and how it's changed in today's world and how it's different and for people looking to kind of put it all together what are you what are some of your major takeaways from this and and obviously i think i don't think this does it justice at all i think we need like six podcasts on this to really dive into each one of these granularly but what are your your major takeaways from this situation yeah i definitely feel like with this podcast we're almost like feeling around what felt right what felt like and and so we even ended up pursuing things that were maybe a bit off topic which is fine but um yeah about kafka (laughs) poor guy but uh, yeah i think Takeaways are pretty obvious things. A lot of this comes down to planning and a larger, longer-term perspective. It comes down to your mindset. Like, don't view necessarily work as this oppositional force. You, like we talked about, uh, you know, competency can be very pleasurable. Um, and also, you know, uh, I feel like this can be a takeaway with every podcast we do. But always think about what you're doing and why you're doing it. Mm-hmm. And, and so... You know, if, if you're just chasing more and more and more money and then you're realizing you're miserable, ask yourself, why are you chasing that money? Do you actually need that much? Can you back off and make yourself more happy? Or no, is this, does this money have a purpose? But again, that kind of goes back to the planning and perspective thing. If you have a game plan, if you have a goal in mind, if there's a general sense of direction, right, I think you're, you're going to be, you know, I'm not saying you're going to be happy every minute of your work and all that stuff, but like, I think you should be fine and um, some of it might be in terms of like feeling overburdened with your work might just come down to you. You have to decide like am I properly unplugging when I'm allowed to unplug? Am I uh, setting the right boundaries with my you know manager or co-workers in terms of letting them know like hey within this time period of time like I would rather not get work calls. I mean mm-hmm. assuming you can you can do that in your work but I think in a lot of workplaces you can. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, are you trying to be a professionist at, at work? That makes a lot of sense. I think that's great. But then enjoy the fact that you're a perfectionist. Don't be a perfectionist, take an extra hour to do a piece of work, and then begrudge the fact that you took that extra hour. So mm-hmm. back to mindset. So, yeah, I think that's, that's generally my thoughts. A lot of it just comes down to, again, 
thinking things through, planning, mindset, you know, how about you? I think it's a lot of exactly what you said. I think it's, it's remember, at, for me, I think the big thing is to remember that when you're in the dirt, it doesn't have to suck. It's right. that whole thing. Like to me, the one, the last thing I want to say here is there's a, I always think about it like this, you know, and this is from my own personal experience recently where I got sick the beginning of January and during that time I was like hating my job. I didn't want to do it. I was like, oh, why am I doing this? Like I got very down on it. And then I not only, not only was I in a position where I was kind of hating my work, but I was also letting it pile up. So I had, I was looking right. at like a massive mountain of things to catch up on. And I had so much resistance. And I think students understand this when you look at an assignment, you're like, oh, I don't want to do it so bad. And then what I always remind myself is engagement beats resist resistance and engagement leads to enjoyment. If you can just like have that big plan, have that dream of how you're going to get there. Take the steps right now to make sure that you have some time for those things that are super important. But also remember that you can enjoy almost anything. If you're not like, okay, I get it. If, if you're suffering like legitimate pain and, and you know, there's something horrible happening. No, you're not going to enjoy life. But all these crappy jobs that we end up hating, even the, like, you know, with a coworker that's annoying or a boss that doesn't like you or someone is mean to you. It's like, even in those moments, you can still derive satisfaction, like you said, from competence and from, in my opinion, engagement. If you engage with it fully, it'll make time go by faster and you can actually, again, gather some enjoyment from these tasks that are otherwise job one, just there for the money. It's not there for the passion. It's not there what you want to be doing forever. Right. So that's, I think that's my biggest takeaway is remember like you have the ability to enjoy a lot more than you think you do. It's up to you to use it. It's your choice if you want to use it, but it will, but if you engage with something, you will find the aspects of enjoyment just from being competent and just from seeing work done. Yeah, no, I actually really love that point because there's sort of a compounding effect of when you're miserable doing something and you're pushing it away, then, like you said, work piles up and you feel even worse about it and then you push it away even more and this is this downward spiral mm -hmm. and it's, it's, it's so avoidable. And again, if you're below the dirt, then maybe at that point, eject, right? <laughs> Just the, run away. The, the, Go to another country. The, no, it, it should be said that there is a, a level of misery or, you know, let's say abuse by higher ups or whatever it might oh, be. yeah. Where start changing the way you view things think about you know yeah maybe you go to live in a country where the cost of living is way lower and you can work less or something mm -hmm. whatever needs to be done but yeah yeah there is a point where you just hit exit but up until that point there's a lot that can be done to make the process um more manageable and maybe even slightly enjoyable yeah, i agree okay i'm gonna close this one out so guys thank you so much for joining us for this episode of life's difficult if you enjoyed this episode, we'd really appreciate it if you give us a positive rating or a view and share this podcast with others you think might like it as well. Take care, and we'll see you next week for another episode of Life's Difficult.